Put that cookie down now. Give up? Oh yeah, thirsty for more. Just wait and see this Christmas vacation. This old house sure is looking good. Got ourselves the finest snowman in the neighborhood. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Santa's coming to town. See any of your favorite movies in that little montage? All of them. That's what. You can see it again. No, just kidding. Well, one of the things that a lot of us return to every year when it comes to Christmas time is we return to our favorite movies. And there's a lot of Christmas movies out there, a lot of Christmas classics, and you know you can see from that video when we return to these Christmas movies, there's a whole cast of funny characters, and a lot of us have kind of a favorite character from our Christmas movies. I mean, some people, it's Ralphie. Some, it's Clark Griswold. Some, it's the Grinch. It's uh, Clarence. It's George. There's a whole cast of amazing characters. My favorite character actually wasn't in that montage. He's actually um, the young Santa Claus from Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I think we have a picture of him here. And I'm going to let you see if you can guess why this guy is my favorite character. Do we have it pulled up? It's because they say he looks like me. Is that the case? A little bit, yeah, with my Christmas beard. I've actually never seen that movie, but somebody, somebody sent me that once and said, you look just like him, and it's kind of creepy when I look at it. Um, somebody asked me this morning if it was a caricature. I was like, no, no, it's from, it's from a movie. Um, but we all have our favorite characters and characters that we gravitate to and that we're drawn to in these movies. But I think it's the same thing when we return to the Bible and the very first Christmas story and all of the characters surrounding that first event because there's a whole lot of them and a lot of us are drawn to different characters in that story too i mean some people are drawn like we talked about last week to elizabeth and zechariah who were who were hoping and who were dreaming who were looking forward to a child when they couldn't have one some of us we we're like maybe we gravitate towards joseph the faithful father of jesus christ maybe it's the wise men maybe some of you think you're a wise man maybe hey it's taking you a long journey to find Jesus, but you've been on that journey for a long time. Maybe it's a shepherd. You just kind of picture yourself as a humble person, working class, and you kind of identify and are drawn to them in this story. We all gravitate towards different characters, but for me, the character that I gravitate towards, my favorite character in the Christmas story is Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary of Nazareth. And so I'm excited this morning that as we continue in this series called Return, where we're returning to Luke's gospel and looking at the Christmas story and the stories around that first Christmas, that we're going to come to the introduction of Mary in Luke's gospel, where we kind of get her first appearance. And so last week, we were with Elizabeth and Zechariah, and we were in the temple in Jerusalem. 
And now we're, we're a little ways from the temple. Now we're in the region of Galilee in a town called Nazareth. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them up to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be beginning in verse 26. And here's what Luke writes. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Because we return to this story every year, we can kind of become immune to it. And we can kind of become used to it, and it loses its power and its significance. But there's some amazing things happening in this passage today. And this week as I was studying, I couldn't help but think, wow, what an amazing story as the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says to her, you are going to be the mother of the Son of the Most High. You are going to be the mother of the Son of God. You're going to have a child who is the long-awaited Messiah, who is the King of Kings, who will have a kingdom that will never end. I mean, it's an amazing calling that Mary Gets. And it's also, it's kind of astounding, it's amazing when we think that this calling comes to someone from the city of Nazareth. And now a lot of us, we're familiar with Nazareth because we, we hear about it in the Bible, we read it over and over again, every year we return to it, but Nazareth was a podunk town. It probably had between 100 and 400 people in it. It was very small. Town's probably not even the best word. City's not the best word. It was more of a village or a crossroads. Today it might be unincorporated. And it was a little town filled with working class people, laborers, shepherds, farmers. They didn't have a lot of amenities. If they needed something, they had to go to the next big city over and travel that way. I was looking at Google Maps this week. I was trying to find what would be the equivalent of Nazareth today. So I was looking at Google Maps, and I think I found the equivalent. And it is the, the town, city, whatever, of Molina. Anybody know where Molina is? Raise your hand if you know where Molina is. Okay. So Molina is on the outskirts of Zebulun over in Pike County, which is not that far from here. But a lot of us have, have never been there. And actually this morning, 
I, I asked a guy, Bryant, who's part of our church, I, I was like, you're from Pike County. Do you know where Molina is? He said, I'm from Molina. He's <laughs> like, wow. And he said, you know what? It's one of those towns you go through it, you blink and you're, you're through it, right? Everybody knows everybody. It's a small place. And God calls someone from that place to give birth to his son. I mean, that's kind of wild. And not only is it wild that he goes to the town of Nazareth, but it's wild that he chooses a woman named Mary, who most scholars agree would have been about 13 years old. Mary was about 13 years old. She was from probably a poor peasant family, working people, no, no royalty, no fancy lineage, no Roman citizenship. Didn't really have many resources or power in the world, and God comes to her. And Luke tells us that Mary is pledged to be married to a guy named Joseph and that Mary is a virgin. And now for us, that can be kind of weird that, okay, this 13-year-old is pledged to be married. In their culture, it wasn't that odd in that day and time for a 13-year-old to be pledged to be married to someone. But being pledged to be married meant that actually, legally, they would have already, in the eyes of the law, been married. But there's typically a year-long engagement period where Mary would have lived with her family before her and Joseph finally moved in together and consummated their marriage and made it official. And so the angel Gabriel comes to Mary when she is at her family's house in the small little crossroads of Nazareth. And the angel Gabriel comes to her with a message from God. And God says to her, yes. Yes, I want you to be the mother of the Messiah. I want you to be the mother of the Son of God. I want you to be the mother of the King of Kings. Yes, you are the favored one. And when God comes through the angel Gabriel to Mary and says yes to her, Mary has every reason to say no. I mean, think about it from her perspective. If Mary says yes, then she's going to be an unwed, pregnant woman in a small town. And people are going to talk about her. People are going to gossip. They're, they're either going to assume that her and Joseph, they, they couldn't wait, or that she found another guy. And that's a, that's a lot. If Mary says yes, then she's going to have to explain why the law in Deuteronomy 22 doesn't apply to her. The Old Testament law says this, if a man happens to meet a woman in a town, a virgin, if a man happens to meet in a town, a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. If she says yes, then she's going to have her first pregnancy, probably in isolation because she's going to assume that Joseph's probably not going to stay with her. And in that day and time, pregnancy was a very, very dangerous thing. If she says yes, then the hopes and dreams that she had for her life are no more. They're going to be replaced with the hopes and dreams that God has for her life. If Mary says yes, she's putting her reputation on the line, her hopes and dreams on the line. She's putting her life on the line. And I don't know about you, but if God came to me and asked me to do something that significant, or that radical, I think I'd probably say to God, God, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. 
I know there are a lot of great people at Harvest Point United Methodist Church who will be happy to do this instead of me. If God came to me with something that crazy and radical, I'd probably say, God, you know what? I'm going to pass this time, but why don't you come back around when I get my stuff together and then I'll, I'll be good to go. I think I would probably say to God, God, I'll pass because I've said, God, I'll pass when God has asked me to do even smaller things. I've said, God, I'll pass. You know, I, I'm a little concerned with my reputation. I don't want people to think I'm, I'm some kind of weird religious weirdo or something. I'll pass. I've said, God, I'll pass. You know what? Because I like to know the plan for my life. I like to have things mapped out and I like to have it orderly. And what you're asking me to do doesn't, I, I don't exactly know where that's going. I've said, I'll pass because of fear and a lack of trust. And a lot of us are like that. When we say yes to something, we like to know what's on the other side. We like to know what we're committing to. We like to know what's out there. We don't like to step into the unknown. Because when we look out at the unknown, a lot of times we experience fear. And this isn't new to us. This has actually been happening for all time. I don't know if any of you have ever seen many old maps. But in old maps, before the modern era, before GPS and all that, when cartographers were drawing maps and they got to an area that they hadn't yet explored, they would typically draw in a dragon or a wild animal. I actually have a map here from the 1600s of Cuba. So you see this map here, and I don't know if you noticed these dragons at the bottom down here and the dragon in the top right corner. They drew those dragons in to represent the fear of the unknown. And that's what a lot of us experience in our lives. And a lot of times when God calls us to do something, he doesn't give us the full plan and the roadmap. He just asks us to take the next step. But when we look out at the future, we see these dragons. We fear. And so a lot of times we say, God, I'll pass. And that's what makes Mary's response so radical. Because Mary doesn't say, I'll pass. Here's what Mary says. Mary looks at the situation, faces all of the reasons she shouldn't do it, and here's what she says. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. If you have a Bible, you're taking notes, I want you to underline that. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary says, yes. Yes, I will bear this child. Yes, I will give birth to this child. Yes, I will bring this child up. Yes, God, I will do it, even though I don't exactly know what it's going to look like. Mary says yes to God. And she's able to do that because God has already said yes to her. God hasn't just said, yes, I want you to be the mother of the Son of God. God has also said, yes, Mary, I am with you. Yes, Mary, you are favored. Yes, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will receive power from it. Because God said yes to Mary, Mary could say yes back to God. She could trust him and step out in faith and obedience. And like a lot of theologians highlight, Mary is really doing the exact opposite of Eve, if you think about it. Because you see, when Eve in Genesis heard from God, her response was, does God really say that? 
And then she was disobedient, and everything changed. Sin, shame, guilt, and death entered into the world. But now we have Mary. God comes to Mary with a message, and Mary's response is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. She's obedient, and everything changes. Salvation enters the world. Hope, joy, love, and peace enter the world as she says yes. But here's the thing, when we look at Mary's life, after she says yes to God, everything changes and amazing things start happening, but we see that Mary didn't have a perfect life. I mean, Mary is the definition of blessed, but Mary had a lot of struggles. I mean, just look at the birth of Jesus. Look at the journey she had to take right after he was born as they had to flee to Egypt. Look at the cross where she had to watch her son be crucified. Mary experienced a lot of pain in this world. But Mary also had a lot of joy in the midst of it because she was able to see God's power and presence and love on display. You see, Mary got to see her son Jesus Christ say yes to the world. She got to see him say yes I love you and I'm for you and I want you to be whole. And she got to see him heal people. She got to see him say, yes, I am for you and I forgive you for everything you've ever done. She got to see him say, yes, this is how much I love you that I would die on a cross for you, bearing the shame, the sin, the guilt, and the punishment that you deserve. She got to see her son Jesus say, yes, the grave can't beat me and death has not conquered me. She got to see him say yes to everyone in the world. Yes, you can have eternal life by believing in me. Yes, you can have a hope with a future. You can have peace. You can have joy. You can have salvation. Mary got to see ultimately her son Jesus rise from the grave. She got to see him say yes to the world. Yes, you can trust me. And I will never let you down. Yes, you can trust me with your reputation, your resources, your heart. You can trust me with your entire life. And Jesus is saying that same thing to you this morning. He's saying, yes. Yes, I will never fail you. One of the things... I love about this cast of characters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as we come to this Christmas story is that they're all ordinary people. Have you ever thought about that? They're all pretty ordinary people living in ordinary places. They just happen to say yes to God and then God does extraordinary things through them. And what's also amazing is that that's still how God works today. God still uses ordinary people like you and me. And as we say yes to him, he's able to do extraordinary things. God still comes to us and he calls us. He says to us, hey, will you give up some of your comfort so the poor, so the widow, so people in need can have a transformed life? Would you be willing to give up a little of your reputation and invite your coworker to church and to share your faith with them? Hey, would you be willing to give up 
some of your money so that other people in this community and in this world can be blessed. Hey, would you be willing to give me your life so I can do something amazing and beautiful with it? And you and I are able to say yes to God because God has already said yes to us in Jesus Christ. We can say yes, not just in the small things, but in the significant and in the serious things because Jesus has said to us, yes, I love you. Yes, I will never leave nor forsake you. Yes, I can do the impossible. Yes, I am with you. And my Holy Spirit will give you the power you need. And when we say yes, everything changes. No, we don't become immune from trials and suffering in this world. But in the midst of the trials and suffering, we're able to experience great joy as we're being used by God for His purposes in this world. And everything doesn't change for us. Everything changes for other people. We're not just blessed. Other people are blessed as well. And this last week, I came upon a news story that happened in the last couple of weeks which illustrates this in a very powerful way. And it's a news story about two pretty ordinary families, the family of Crystal Champ and Ryan Hollitz. So what I want you to do is I want to invite you to sit back for the next few minutes and check out what happened when Ryan said yes. Heroin and crystal meth control Crystal Champ's life. <laughs> it is um, everything. The strangling grip of addiction has left her homeless on the streets of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I, I did give up, you know. I just decided that this was going to be my life. Living in a tent. Welcome to home. In the brush alongside a highway. I know how bad it is, you know. I'm the first one to know how bad my situation is. And For Crystal, the thought of a guardian angel walking into her life was unimaginable. But that's what happened when Albuquerque police officer Ryan Holitz found Crystal and her companion Tom Hello, folks. shooting up heroin behind a convenience store in September. Looks like you guys are getting ready to shoot up over here. Ryan Holitz, okay. a father of four, wasn't ready for what he noticed next. Are you pregnant? Yeah, it, it's not every day that I see a sight like that. And it just, and it just made me really sad. How far along are you? Oh my gosh. And he goes, and you're, and you're pregnant? Why are you gonna be doing that stuff? It's gonna ruin your baby. You're, you're gonna kill your baby. His words brought Crystal to tears. How dare you judge me? You have no idea how hard this is. You have no idea. And I know what a horrible person I am, and I know what a horrible situation I'm in. In that instant, the moment changed. His entire being changed. He just became a human being instead of a police officer. A crazy, overwhelming idea crept into Ryan's mind. Realizing that she was desperately wanting someone to adopt a baby, I just felt God telling me, tell her that you will do it because you can. <laughs> you can. And so... Three weeks later, Crystal Champ gave birth and Ryan Holitz and his wife agreed to adopt 
the baby they named Hope. I've gotten tired of, of uh, seeing so many situations where I want to help but can't. And in that moment, I realized that I had a chance to help. Hope suffered through withdrawals during weeks of medical treatment, but she's gaining weight now and doing well. Her father and me love her, you know, very, very much. And was, we did not give her up because we didn't want her. But Crystal remains an addict yeah. and admits she's in no place to care for a baby. I just want her to be safe and secure and, you know, be in a, a family and be loved and have a chance, you know. I am so thankful and blessed and humbled that we are allowed to have hope in our family. When you think about like what it took for all the stars to align for you two to connect in the back of that no convenience store parking lot, it's just crazy, right? It's like Providence. We'll be there for her and whatever struggles that she has, we'll be there and we'll work through it. That's what makes me happy, that we'll be there for her. For Officer Ryan Holitz, it's proof that even in the darkest moments, you never know when love and hope will reveal itself. Ed Lavendera, CNN, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Ryan wasn't an angel. He was simply an ordinary person who said yes. And they didn't say this in the video, but he told Crystal he would adopt that child before he went home and talked to his wife. How about that? So he went and found his wife, who was holding their 10-month-old baby, and told her about the situation, and she said, oh, yeah. Because they had been feeling called by God to adopt and they had been praying. And when the opportunity came, they were able to say yes. And you saw it on his face, the joy that he experienced because of that. As a church earlier this year, when I arrived, we were looking out at the future and trying to figure out if we were going to do Return to Bethlehem again. People were talking about it and there was kind of, maybe it's going to happen, maybe it's not. I don't know, it had been a while. For those of you who are newer to our church, the last time we hosted this event here was uh, about seven years ago, I believe. And there was a lot of questions, a lot of unknown. I was new, and then there were questions about, hey, are we going to have the financial resources to pull this off? Are we going to have the volunteers? Because it takes so many volunteers. Now that we're in this new location, is anybody going to come? I mean, we didn't know. We looked out at the future, and it wasn't, very clear, but clearly we felt God saying to us, this is what I want you to do. I want you to host this to share the story of Jesus with this community this year. And so we said yes. And as we've said yes, we have been blessed, those people who've been serving behind the scenes, those of you who are a part of this church, but other people in this community have been blessed as well. And they've been transformed. Last night I had one couple in the lobby pull me aside and just say, there, there was just a realness and an authenticity and a warmth in that village as we walked through and experienced all of this in a new way. Someone shared as we were debriefing last night that one family who came through, it was multi-generations, 
And yesterday afternoon, their three-year-old daughter and granddaughter said, hey, I want to see baby Jesus being born. And so they figured out how to make that happen, and they all came here generation to generation together to experience the story once again together. And now their Christmas is going to be different. Our Christmas is going to be different as we're reminded again of that good news of Jesus Christ. And a lot of it happened because we were willing to say yes to God and yes to the community. And in this next year, we're going to continue to say yes to God as a church and we're going to continue to say yes in this community because God has rooted us here, God has planted us here, and He wants to do amazing and beautiful things through us. But He doesn't want to just do it through us as a collective. He also wants to do it through you personally. And so the question for you this morning is will you say yes? This Advent season leading up to Christmas, will you take time to slow down and to ask God, God, where are you calling me to go? What are you calling me to do? In what areas of my life are you calling me to risk? God, who are you calling me to come to become? This Advent season, will you slow down? Ask God to speak to you. Listen. And respond in obedience. So here's what I know. If you will, your yes to God will be the greatest gift that you can give this year. Because he will transform your life and the lives of those around you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your great love in Jesus Christ. We thank you for coming to us before we even knew that we needed you. And we thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness through Jesus that we can experience now. And God, we come to you this morning and we confess that it is hard to step out into the unknown and to be obedient to your word a lot of times. And God, we confess that we've often failed as a church and as individuals. We've put ourselves first instead of you and what you're calling us to. So God, we pray that you would forgive us this morning and that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, which enables us to be obedient. God, we pray that you would fill us with love and with eyes to see needs all around this community so that we can say yes to you and yes to people around us. God, we want to be people who say yes. Now what I want to invite you to do is to remain in a posture of prayer. To simply ask God through prayer, God, what are you calling me to do? Who are you calling me to become? I want you to ask those things to God and to listen Now, we're going to give you just a moment to do that.
And as we remain in a posture of prayer, I want to simply give this invitation this morning because I know this might be for someone here. If you feel like you've never fully said yes to God with your life, you've never said to God, God, yes, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, and I want the hope, the joy, the peace, the love, and the salvation that he gives. If you've never said yes to God in that way, I I want you to simply pray this prayer after I pray it. God, today I've come to know that you love me. I confess that while you've always loved me, I haven't always loved you. I've often ignored you and sinned against you. But today I want to begin a new relationship with you. I want to say yes. I want to say yes to you and your son, Jesus Christ, and be forgiven and made new. I want to follow him and experience eternal life. And I want to experience new life here. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he lived, died, and rose again for me. I want him to be the leader of my life. And I want to say yes to him every day. Help me do that, God. If this morning you're praying that prayer for the first time and feel like you're saying yes to God and to his son Jesus for the first time, would you just raise your hand so I can can know and be praying for you and celebrate with you? God, hear our prayers, hear our hearts, hear our our lives. We submit them to you and pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can live as a faithful and obedient people, so that we can be filled with joy, filled with wholeness, and filled with love. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we sing our final song, would you stand, would you applause the one person who said yes this morning to Jesus Christ? Would you stand? Would you stand and sing with us as we celebrate Jesus and his power?